Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Friends, I would ask you to find 1 John chapter 5 in your copy of uh, the Bible. If you have a Bible there or maybe a device of some kind, I hope you grabbed one of our fill-in-the-blank uh, note-taking sheets or maybe you are uh, tapping in with our digital format on that. It, it definitely helps to stay engaged with the message. Uh, so as you're finding 1 John chapter 5, let me just celebrate a couple things that took place at the last moment over the course of the last seven days here at Crossgate Church and in our community. So uh, we had that storm come through, and uh, the, the head uh, line of that storm, of course, blew a lot of things down and had a lot of wind and rain. There was actually a home in Sherwood that had the roof partially destroyed, and uh, Brian Costello last Saturday led a team from our disaster relief element here at Crossgate Church to go and tarp that roof uh, to pull out all of the waterlogged insulation, provided some food items for this needy family, and I had a wonderful time of prayer with them and a gospel conversation. So I'm grateful so much for those of you that participated in that disaster relief effort uh, in Jesus' name. And then, of course, this past week with the frigid temperatures in the area, the warming center for the homeless community was open downtown. And uh, Vivian Nicholson spearheaded an effort where we took a team and prepared 100 dinners uh, for the homeless community in the warming center and delivered those meals in Jesus' name. Another great gospel opportunity. So let me first of all say thank you so much if you directly participated in that. But also let me say this, how grateful I am for the faithfulness of those of you that returned back to the Lord a portion of what he's given to you here at Crossgate Church because without your faithful giving, ministries like this would not be able to happen to the degree that they do. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, if God is stirring in you a desire and, a, and, a, and a just a, a pointedness to become a part of one of these efforts at Crossgate Church, perhaps that's your next step to meet a need. I would encourage you to stop by our next steps area immediately after the service, and let's talk about how to get connected with these and other ministries at Crossgate. Now, let me point out the obvious, especially with all of these uh, Iowa, New Hampshire primaries and, and caucuses and all the rest taking place, 2024 is an election year. And uh, later on this year, we are going to be inundated and deluged with political ads and campaigns and all the rest. And of course, there's a lot at stake. We, we will, of course, be told that th this is the most important election in the history of our country. If we don't elect this person, the whole country is going to implode immediately the day after the election and, and all the rest, right? There is a lot at stake. Uh, economic stability, uh, border and, and national security, global peace, uh, with all the things taking place, there is a lot at stake. But may I tell you that we are also actively engaged in another campaign of sorts at Crossgate Church, and that is to make more and better disciples. And what we're talking about in the month of January is making many more in 24. And you say, man, that thing looks like a political yard sign. Well, it's supposed to, because it's supposed to remind us that no matter what's going on politically, this matters a thousand times more than anything that could take place through a political election cycle. Yes, there's a lot at stake in the course of a political election. There's even more at stake in making more disciples for Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Phil, what's at stake? It's just this simple. Life and death, heaven and hell. Let me give you a verse from the scripture. Just one verse today, 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
We're going to unpack this one verse today. It could not be stated more simply than that, that those who have the Son have life. Those who do not have the Son of God do not have life. First thing I want you to see is when we talk about more disciples, what's at stake? We're asking ourselves this morning, what is at stake when it comes to leading people to put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, understand this. Jesus Christ oftentimes talked about life. All right, let me give you some scripture. John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 14, 6, again, Jesus Christ. He said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These are just two examples. Jesus talked a lot about life, uh, and, and his disciples, particularly John, talked a lot about life in the book of 1 John. A couple other things you need to know. When Jesus talks about life, he's using the word synonymously with the concept and the word of what we would call salvation. The, the, the coming to Jesus Christ, receiving forgiveness for your sins, receiving a brand new life, a brand new heart, and a promise of heaven someday, that's all wrapped up in this word, life, as Jesus talks about it. As a matter of fact, when Jesus talked about life and eternal life, he's talking about life both here and hereafter. Get those words down. Here and hereafter. Because Jesus makes a difference in this life, here and now. Eternal life is not simply something you, you experience once you step on into glory. You die and, and, and you step on into heaven and now you have eternal life. Listen, eternal life starts the moment that you trust Jesus Christ. That's when life begins, here but also hereafter. Because there is something else beyond this life, certainly a heavenly existence for those who know Jesus and have trusted Christ. Here and hereafter. Now, having said that, let's unpack the verse for a minute. First of all, let's talk about life, okay? Because Jesus, we, we see in the Bible, those who, who have the Son have life. Now, think about it. We have life here and hereafter. How many of you know that Jesus makes a difference in this life right now? Say amen. Absolutely. He makes a difference. In fact, I would tell you that even if there were no heaven and there were no hell, I would still be an ardent follower of Jesus Christ. Now, heaven and hell both exist, but I will tell you, just to know Jesus right now, I could give you a, a long, long list of things and ways that Jesus makes this life incredible. Uh, just one, for example, talk about marriage. Pastor Rob was talking about marriage earlier and, and some of the ministries we have at Crossgate Church for marriage. Jesus absolutely makes marriage not only uh, survivable. How many of y'all know sometimes marriage can be a little challenging? <laughs> All right, yeah. Jesus not only makes marriage survivable, he turns it into an absolute blessing in this world. Case in point, the, the, the latest statistics is this. Uh, roughly 40 to 50% of all first-time marriages will end in divorce, will, will, will fail. But among those families and those couples who attend church regularly, and I mean probably three to four times a month, a consistent attendance, when God's people gather, you're there, that number drops to one in 30 marriages fail. And among those couples where they attend church regularly and they pray together regularly in their own home, that number drops to one in 300. Right? Jesus makes a difference. 
I, I, another data point that I, I find particularly interesting, I'm sure you would as well, when it comes to physical intimacy between men and women, who are the most satisfied people in the United States? The godless Hollywood celebrities that bounce from one relationship to the next and one marriage to the next and one this and one that? Or, or, or maybe it's the, 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 the freewheeling college students or the young servicemen and ser- service women in the military who, who just unbridled pleasure. That is how you find intimacy and meaningful intimacy. No. Check it out. The most satisfied people in the United States in terms of physical intimacy are married Christian people. Did you know that? Of course. Because Jesus says it's not about you, it's about the other person. And there's this other-centered living when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ. It makes marriages better, it makes families more stable, and on and on and on. That's here. That's why I'd say, look, even if there were no heaven and hell, I would follow Jesus Christ. He would still be my Lord. But there's also a hereafter. Praise God. That, That there is a heaven that awaits those who trust Jesus Christ. Write this verse down, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. That's where the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, immediately. As soon as you take your last breath, you're immediately in the presence of the Lord. You are with the Lord. Thief on the cross. How about the thief on the cross? Luke 23, verse 43. Jesus is dying in blood and agony on the cross. He's got a robber on his right hand. He's got a robber on his left hand. And one of those thieves places his faith and his trust in Jesus. And what did Jesus tell that man? He said, today, not sometime yonder in the by and by, today you will be with me in paradise. I love it. I love it because Jesus Christ brings life here and he promises life hereafter. Now let's flip the coin over for a moment because remember what verse 12 says, whoever has a son has life, whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. So now let's talk about not life, not life. I will tell you, having been a pastor and a minister of the gospel for many years now, I absolutely believe That if people are not building their lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, they are going to be missing so much without Jesus. And and I've seen that. I've counseled with people. I've walked people through some difficult times. And that's not to say that there aren't some lost people who don't have Jesus who seem to be doing okay. But you show me a person without Jesus Christ, and I'll show you a person who's had to normalize things that God never intended for us to experience. I'm talking about heartache and tragedy because they don't have that foundation. Whoever has a son does not have life here. But the saddest reality of them all is that those who do not have the Son of God do not have life hereafter. Let me give you some scripture. Revelation chapter 20. This is when God wraps this whole thing up. And then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. 
and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. I'll explain that in a moment. The second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There, there is an, an, a non-life, a, a death that awaits those for eternity without Christ. That, that's, that's what the Bible means when it says, whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life here and hereafter. Let, let, me, let me reference that diagram that we put on your handout. Okay, this is something I put on there. I added a couple more things on here since we made those handouts. But this basically explains to you what we're talking about in visual form. This right here represents anyone who's alive and who dies. And guess what? The new statistic on death is this, one out of one people dies, okay? So unless the Lord returns, you're going to die someday. It might be today. It might be 50 years, 100 years, who knows? Only God knows. But someday you will die, all right? And that's called the, the physical death, the first death. This is where your body goes in the grave or it's cremated or whatever, Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed for man or woman once to die, and after this comes the judgment. So every single person who has ever lived up to this point has experienced this. But then you got to ask the question, was that person saved or was that person lost, to use the Bible language? If someone is saved, we've already said this, there's life hereafter. This is where they're going to be with the Lord immediately, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, and paradise. Jesus used the word paradise, Luke 23, 43. And the saved, upon death, immediately upon death, find themselves with the Lord. The lost, on the other hand, who've never received forgiveness for their sins through Jesus Christ, find themselves immediately in a place of torment. Uh, you can look that up, Luke 16, 23. Four. You say, man, why in the world would anyone not be able to be with the Lord? Here's why, and this verse is not in the, in the notes. Write this down. Revelation 21, 27, it's critical for this study. Revelation 21, 27 basically tells us that sin cannot enter into heaven. Sin cannot come into heaven. Sin will never be allowed to enter into heaven. Well, guess what? We're all sinners. And so by default, if you don't have your sins forgiven in Jesus... You can't step into heaven. It just, it won't happen, all right? So those people find themselves in a place of torment. Now, here's one thing I added to the graphic that's not on your handout. This is the return of Jesus Christ. This takes place at some point in time in the future. Only God the Father knows. You can look that up, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Once that happens, then we come to this place in Revelation 20, verse 6, called the first resurrection. Okay, remember, your body is in the grave, your spirit is with the Lord, but at the first resurrection, Revelation 20, verse 6, we are raised imperishable. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 55. That's when, for saved people, their bodies, their resurrected, transformed bodies are reunited with their spirit to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Now, after that happens, the Bible says there is a period of a thousand years. Some people say it's a literal thousand years. Some people say that as a number, it represents a certain amount of time. I'm not here to debate that this morning, but you can find that in Revelation 20, 1 through 3. Traditionally, people have called that the millennium. 
And according to the scripture, once that period of time is complete, all of these people who have been in this place of torment will be reunited in a sense with their bodies as well in what's called the second resurrection and they will experience what's called the second death, the lake of fire. We just read that. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And once that happens, they too will experience that for eternity. Now, that's an important thing to have in your mind and, and to understand because when we talk about what's at stake in terms of making more disciples and leading people to trust Jesus Christ, this is what's at stake. Life or death, heaven or hell. Now, what differentiates between the two? Okay, I'll give it to you. John chapter 3, look at this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Good news. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. In other words, you, have, you don't have to do anything to be lost. You're already lost if you haven't trusted Christ because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. In a nutshell, I'll tell you this, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it and saying it and saying it until the Lord takes me up or I die and go to heaven. Salvation is available for everybody because the Bible says God desires for everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Salvation is available for everybody, but it's not automatic. It's not automatic. The question is, what will you do with Jesus Christ? That's what's at stake. And what you do with Jesus Christ is not only the most important decision you'll ever make, what you do with Jesus Christ is going to determine where you spend eternity. And eternity is all about, as the realtors know, location, location, location. That's what's at stake. Now, that said, when we talk about things as flat out as we're talking about this morning, I mean black or white, in or out, these binary systems of salvation in a world that hates black and white, in and out, binary systems of anything, you're going to get some questions. And not everybody's going to be happy with what you're talking about. Okay, so here's the second thing we're going to talk about this morning. After talking about what's at stake, let, let's discuss some of the whatabouts. Yeah, because you're always going to, yeah, but what, Pastor Phil, what about this? Or what about this? Or what, right? Let's hit some whatabout. Here's the first one. First whatabout is this. Doesn't everyone go to heaven? Right? Now, again, we, we live in a world where we want to say everybody goes to a better place. Or there's many different pathways to God. Or... Uh, we're all on different trains, but we'll eventually get to the same train station. That's the sentiment of this world. That sentiment is called universalism. Universalism. Universalism, again, teaches that everybody goes to heaven. I guess even dogs go to heaven, maybe. Who knows? But every, all people do. Okay? There, there, there's a general universalism. And I want you to think about the pluralistic nature of our, of our culture and society. There's many different religions, many different faith groups in the United States. Certainly uh, Christians at this time or people who claim to be Christians make up the majority. Uh, that may not always be true 20, 30, 40 years from now. But there's a lot of different religious traditions out there, uh, best exemplified by the coexist 
uh, window or bumper sticker, right? You've got coexist, the word coexist made out of all the different symbols of all the different religions. Now, on the one hand, I'm all in favor of coexisting, coexisting peacefully, right? We, we're Americans. We, we, don't, we don't live in a, in a country where we go out and kill people who believe differently than we do. That's not true in some other countries, right? So I'm all in favor of peacefully coexisting. On the other hand, the assumption that oftentimes underlies the coexist sentiment is this, they're all equally valid. And they're all going to get you. It doesn't matter which one you choose. It's like going to Golden Corral. If you want a steak, if you want a fish, if you want potatoes, it doesn't, just take whatever you want. They're all going to the same place. That's general universalism so that somehow God's love is just going to uh, just kind of fill in all the nooks and crannies of, of our lives, and, uh, and, and, and we all get the same outcome, the all, all heavenly outcome. Rob Bell, probably the most familiar voice that represents what I would call universal uh, or general universalism in his book Love Wins, says this, the belief that given enough time, everybody will turn to God and find themselves in the joy and peace of God's presence. The love of God will melt every hard heart, and even the most depraved sinners will eventually give up their resistance and turn to God. That's general universalism. The Bible, did you know this? The Bible actually says that even after people are in judgment, they're still going to curse the name of God. They're still going to hate God. There's not going to be any repentance after the fact. Now, that said, there's also a Christian universalism. And Christian universalism says this, no all roads do not lead to God. Only Jesus Christ leads to God. But at the end of the day, after everyone has died, they'll still have an opportunity to trust Christ. There still will be some kind of opportunity so that everyone will eventually put their faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and be saved and be in heaven with him. That, that, that's called Christian universalism. But the Bible says, and I referenced this uh, on that diagram, Hebrews 9.27 says that it is appointed for man or woman once to die, and after this comes the judgment. There, there are no second chances, and not everyone goes to heaven. Now, this, universalism is one of the easiest, easiest things to believe. Why? Because it doesn't ruffle anybody's feathers. I mean, if you, if you tell people everyone goes to heaven, well, that's good. That's wonderful news, right? The only problem is, if, if you espouse that, you are completely overlooking the problem that Jesus came to confront in the first place, and that's the sinfulness and separation between a sinful humanity and a holy God. Again, Revelation 21, 27, there will be no sin entering into heaven. You're not going to sneak around the back and climb over the fence, and God's not going to know. Okay? No sin can enter into heaven. That's why not everybody's going to heaven. Here's another one. This is a good one. I've heard hell doesn't exist. Pastor, I've heard people say that hell doesn't exist, at least in terms of this you know, eternal uh, time of torment where you're conscious of, of, of this. Well, this is called, most of the time, this is called what's, what's called annihilationism. And that, that's, a, that's a $20 word for sure, okay? Annihilationism. This is the, the belief that says, yes, the saved, the born-again people, yes, they're going to heaven, and they're going to enjoy heaven forever, but if you're not saved and you never trusted Christ, yes, you're going to go to a place like hell, but you're only going to be there for about a millisecond because you're going to be obliterated. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be annihilated. You're going to be, you're going to be gone. You're going to have no consciousness of, of, that, of that torment and that judgment. That's called annihilationism. 
Probably the, the, the most famous faith group in the United States that talks about this and teaches this would be your Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, this statement is from their statement of faith. Look at this. After the final judgment, the unrepentant receive their punishment. This punishment is called the second death. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, just quoting what we quoted earlier. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And we would agree with that because it's in the Bible. But this is where they diverge. The Bible also uses words such as perishing and destruction in speaking of the ultimate fate of the unrepentant. These descriptions confirm that the second death refers to annihilation or extinction of the unrepentant rather than a continual and eternal conscious torment. Okay? And, and the other group that, that does teach this significantly would be your Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay? So, for example, again, straight from their statement of faith, is hell a place of eternal suffering? No. The original words translated as hell in some older Bible translations basically refer to the grave. That is the common grave of mankind. The Bible shows that people in the grave are in a state of non-existence. So, there's this aspect of annihilation. May I tell you something you may already know? Jesus Christ talked more about hell and, and, and the torment of hell and the consciousness of being in hell than anyone else in the entire Bible. That's right. The meek and mild Jesus was also, in this regard, a hellfire preacher, although I'm sure he didn't yell at the top of his lungs like some preachers do. Okay? The fact is, he talked about hell a lot. Okay? And, and, we, and we would do well not, not to explain it away. We would do well to listen to what, to what Jesus says and to what the Word of God says. Now, here's another one. Let's do another uh, what about. This doesn't sit well with me. Okay, well, I, I got that. I mean, we, we live in a world that doesn't even want to talk about sin, let alone hell and, and eternal punishment. People don't want to talk about this. It does not sit well with them. So, therefore, again, the universalist perspective, I mean, people love it. Well, they're in a better place. Well, all roads lead to heaven, right? People love that. But I want you to consider just how illogical that claim is. I mean, if you're just kind of gliding along on your emotions, you're going to miss the truth. Okay, think about this. The Christian faith, at least if you truly believe what the Bible says about Christianity, is an exclusive faith, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one else comes to the Father except through me. Uh, Paul the Apostle said, that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's it. That's the only way to God. That's a very exclusive truth claim. But then people say, you know, you Christians, man, you're, you're so exclusive in, in what you teach. Well, I got news for you. Most religions out there are exclusive in some way. Judaism is exclusive. Islam is very exclusive. And even a lot of the Eastern religions that celebrate the both and do still have an either or aspect to them. Okay, so here's the deal. It is logically possible that one religion could be true and all the rest of them could be false. It's also logically possible that none of them are right, right? I mean, it's at least possible that none of the religions are right. But I tell you one thing that is logically impossible and that's that they're all right, right? You understand what I'm saying? See, we, we say, oh, well, this, this idea of, of some people going to heaven and some people going to it doesn't sit well with me. Well, well, those people are just living on emotion. They're not interested in the truth. But here's something else. There's the uncomfortable feeling when we start talking about judgment. Oh, now I got it. I mean, 
Adolf Hitler and Jeffrey Epstein, yes, most people would agree they, they need to go to hell, okay? I mean, not only because of the, just the unspeakable evil that they brought on the world, but also because they took their life at their own hands, thus robbing us of the opportunity to mete out judgment on them. Now, I don't know if Epstein killed himself or not. You can figure it out. I mean, everybody's got the conspiracy theories, but I'm telling you, people don't mind talking about Jeffrey Epstein and Adolf Hitler going to hell, but they, the last thing they want to talk about is their grandmother or their friend spending eternity apart from God simply because they didn't trust Jesus Christ. See? There, there's that, that uncomfortable feeling about the whole thing. But at the end of the day, we've got to ask ourselves, what does God say? And if, and if Revelation 21, 27 is true and you haven't had your sins forgiven, how in the world could you possibly expect to step into God's presence in heaven. Hey, here's one more. This one comes up a lot. What about those who never hear about Jesus? That's a legitimate question. Usually this one is framed in terms of the, like the guy on the island. It's like, hey, well, okay, Pastor, what about the guy on the island, the, the aboriginal guy who lives on an island somewhere in the Pacific Ocean? He's born, he lives 80 years, and he dies, and he never once heard the name of Jesus. What happens to him? Okay, well, first of all, we understand that the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, the constitution of Christianity, Romans chapter 1 tells us that God has revealed himself to everybody. Everybody receives a measure of God's revelation through the creation, through what we call general revelation. We talked about that last year in our Roman series. There, there, there is this, at this aspect where God has revealed himself to everyone so that nobody gets a free pass. No one can say, oh, I didn't know anything about you, God, right? Okay, so we, we know that the guy on the island doesn't get a free pass. But I'll tell you, I had, a, I had a moment. This is, man, this is probably 20 years ago. I was a student at Duke University in the Divinity School there, which, by the way, is no bastion of, of Protestant, uh, you know, evangelical orthodoxy. It, it, is, it, is a, it is a hive of Protestant liberalism where they have watered down the faith, watered down the Bible in so many ways. I was taking an academic course of study there. And we were in a class about the book of Romans, and we came to Romans chapter 5. And the professor said, well, does anyone have any insights into how this, might, this Romans 5 might relate to, you know, just, just local grassroots Christianity? I said, yeah, I, I got an insight. Romans 5, 14, let's put that one up there. Look at this. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Now, think about what this says. Adam sinned and he died. Okay, he, 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 he was separated from God. He died physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of that eventually, right? And then, of course, Moses came with this, with this law, this revelation from God where God said, do this, don't do this, do this, don't. Very clear guidelines were given to Adam and to Moses. What about all the people in between? I mean, they, they didn't receive this, this direct revelation as Adam had, and they certainly didn't have the law of Moses. So do they get a free pass? Well, evidently they don't because it said death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. So this just reconfirms the fact that the guy on the island, he doesn't get a free pass. Now, here's something that you probably haven't heard. Did you know that there's going to be different degrees of punishment in hell? Yeah, that's what Jesus said. Think about what Jesus said. Okay? Jesus said basically that judgment will be based on the amount of light that someone has received. That's why Jesus said when he was speaking in his hometown, he said it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah 
than it will be for this sinful and adulterous generation. Why? Because the people in Jesus' day had seen the Son of God. They had heard directly from the Son of God. They rubbed shoulders with the Son of God, and yet they still blew him off. They still threw Jesus under the bus. Do you think those people are going to get off more or less than the people who had never heard of Jesus? The people in Sodom and Gomorrah, they're going to be judged. They're not getting a free pass, but the fact is the people in Garland County will be judged worse than the people on the island because we've heard so much gospel. There's so much religion in Garland County. There's so much talk of being saved and all the rest, and yet people still throw Jesus under the bus even in Garland County. So when you think about the guy on the island, one, he's not getting a free pass, but two, it will be more tolerable for the guy on the island in that day at the judgment than it will be for the people of Garland County. I believe that with all of my heart. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. That's the application. But listen to me, friends. We always want to ask the question, are they lost if they don't hear? Hey, I got a better question for you and for me sitting at Crossgate Church. Are we saved if we don't tell? Hmm? See, because Jesus has said, you will be my witnesses, and yet so many of us lack an urgency. So many of us lack an intentionality to, to get into the lives of people and, and to endeavor to bring people to Jesus Christ. I tell you, someone who says that they're saved, someone who says that they're a Christian, but if they're not endeavoring to somehow, some way, bring lost people to Jesus Christ for them to know the same Jesus that they know, either one, they've got calluses on their soul, or two, they're not even saved to begin with. Let's talk about the third thing. Because up to this point in time, we've been talking about concepts. We've been talking about ideas, but let's talk about how this, this rubber meets the road in our, in our lives as we wrap up this message. These are what I call the so what's. And I'm just simply going to close with two words, urgency and intentionality. Urgency and intentionality. Because when it comes to thinking about what's at stake, I'm praying that God would give me a sense of urgency, an urgency that I don't have, a greater degree of urgency to get into people's lives, intentionally talking to them about Jesus Christ, assessing where they are spiritually, and inviting them to trust Jesus. I'm praying that God would give me and, and, and stir up in my heart these things, urgency, and intentionality. Next Sunday, we're going to do a message from Matthew chapter 9 that talks all about the marks of ascending church. Very practical message, just a, just a, 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 a litany of, 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 of things that would characterize, very practical things that would characterize the lives of the people within ascending church. But for today, I simply want to ask you this. Are you aware of what's at stake? making more disciples. You say, Pastor Phil, we're always talking about more and better disciples around here, more and better disciples, many more in 24, many more in 24. Why? I'll tell you why. Because what's at stake? Heaven or hell. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.